Developing Tomorrow's Leaders Educating, supporting, and inspiring the next generation of leaders. The youth today face many challenges that can and will affect their futures. They need a village of supporters that can guide, direct, and lead them on the path to success. Your host, Antoine Thompson, or Coach T, has over 35 years of experience of empowering, motivating, and enhancing the lives of many young men and women. Join Coach T and his village of inspiration. The red light's on. I have stage fright. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> All right. Welcome to another episode of Developing Tomorrow's Leaders. I am super excited with my special guest, Beth Probst. She's the founder and CEO of At The Core. And I would like to say welcome, Beth. Thank you for having me. I am super excited to have you. It is my pleasure to do that. And I want to share that we have had a previous conversation. It was a wonderful conversation. And I know that uh, the work that you do helping young people prepare for higher education is so important. And you mentioned something right before we came on and I, I wanted you to share again. You said, you know, you're looking at the banner. It said developing tomorrow's leaders. And it's so important that in order to develop tomorrow's leaders, we have to know something about the future leaders so we can help them. And I think that that's a, a big part of what you do, correct? Absolutely. And that, and that student who is developing through those years of middle school and high school, they're the ones that also need to take stock of who they are, what makes them tick. You know, I, I think it's 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 not a very natural thing for for introspection. I think a lot of times our kids in high school and in middle school, they kind of just keep their heads down and do the next thing and do the next thing. And um, my big message today that we're going to talk about is is encouraging our students to take that time and understand who they are, what's important to them what what they struggle with you know what they prefer when given a choice you know if i have two different tasks in front of me and it's my option to choose which do i choose and why those kinds of little what makes me tick can unlock a, a very positive future for our students yeah what would you say just based on that would be uh like say you they have choices one or the other sometimes i think it's um not just at home or at school, the challenges they have in deciding on which one, like what they think they should do versus what they like to do. Oh, that's so what you're getting into is is what every student um, is. It's almost like a like a weight that they wear on them through the high school years, the should haves, the, it, the other one is, is what do other people think that I should do? Another big one is what are others around me that I might admire or look up to? What are they choosing to do? And is that if those role models, maybe students that are slightly older than me, um, maybe I just want to follow in their footsteps because I admire them. And none of those things are necessarily going to point back to what's best and right for me, 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 me. And that's the thing that I think is can be really, it can cloud the process of a student really understanding who they are and taking stock of who they are during those high school years. So there's a lot of influences, a lot of difficulty, and it's what I'm going to suggest is kind of pushing away a lot of those clouds and outside influences and let that student have the time 
to think about what makes them exactly who they are. And that's hard. That can be hard to do. It's not necessarily a natural thing that a student or family will do. And then you, you're bringing up the, the natural next step, which is um, that it gets clouded by what others around that student may be thinking or um, influencing them to yes. think as well. So that's tricky. Yeah, it is. And you take that key word comfort. Comfort mm -hmm. level. Uh, I think that that's another thing that and influences the other one. You stole my word. I, when you were halfway through, I was like, yeah, this is about influence. And those influences, they really do drive a lot. And I know in today's age, what kids decide to do. Um, I'll give you a quick example. I interviewed a group of teens uh, about a year and a half ago. And the young lady, she's now a senior. And at the time, she was a sophomore, I believe. She was talking about when she her freshman sophomore year, so she was picking her classes and things she wanted to do. She was picking classes that her friends were picking because they all wanted to stay together. And she said after her sophomore year, she realized she wasn't get taking the courses that she needed to and wanted to. And she realized, okay, it's not about friendships, about my future and where I want to be. So I have to kind of make that decision. And bright young lady, and, and she made the right decisions, and it, she's the type of person you knew she would, but some kids don't have the ability to go, hey, you know what? Uh, I got to do for myself. Oh, Coach T, I see that all the time. I, I have asked many a student uh, who's working through or talking through their schedule with us, for example, in, in their junior year, um, they may say, you know, oh, and then I have, you know, AP language or AP lit, AP lit. That's a, a big one that um, many students will take it at some point. If they're college bound, it pops up on their radar. I'm like, oh, do you really like literature? Do you read a lot, you know, outside? And they'll go, nope. <laughs> I'll say, why? What are you, do you like plots and literary characters? What is it exactly? Nope. My friends were taking it. And right. I thought, and I thought it was the the right class to take. So hats off to that student who who learned that um, during her years of high school that she needed to take what was right for her. You know, one more really tricky thing that happens, I think, um, you know, a, another challenge to our students being able to take stock of who they are, what makes them tick, what's right for them, is that in our high school years, it can be not very attractive to be unique or different. A lot of times they just want to go with the flow and be in that in that mode of what seems to be, um, I don't want to use the word normal, but I will use the word normal in those high school years. So sometimes when a student says, but my interests really are in this, but nobody else's are, it's hard for them to put their hand up and say that because it can feel a little bit scary. Yeah, going back to that influence and perception. Perception, yeah. it dictates a lot of what kids do now. And I think that that's one of the things that affects self-esteem and confidence and ultimately success. And being surrounded by individuals like yourself and, and other coaches and mentors and authority figures that allow you to make decisions and support those decisions. I think the other part is supporting decisions that kids make um, is so important because it makes them feel even more comfortable with making decisions. Um, and I, I, I saw, I sent a post out or I posted something about vulnerability being authentic and vulnerable. Mm. And the reason I talked about that is because one of the things I think that helps them make these decisions is you as a parent, you've gone through a lot of things. 
your kids have no idea sometimes what you've gone through. Yeah. And if you don't share that, they have nothing to relate to. And then they do feel like, well, the, I might be the only person doing this or has ever done this. But if I know that my mom and my dad went through it and they explained to me what it was like to go through that and how they worked through that, I'm going to feel more comfortable making a decision going, hey, I know they're going to be highs and lows, but I can do it. And they are listening. And I know as a parent of, of two um students who are have one that's 19 and one that's 21, almost 22. Now, when they were slightly younger than this, um, that I, I, my husband and I would talk, we would share, and, and I'm here to tell parents, they are listening. <laughs> they just often will kind of give us, I call it the Heisman, Coach T, you'll appreciate yeah. that. They <laughs> push us away at a time when we know they need us most. And so that's where some of those little tips and tricks of, um, that I, I like the shoulder to shoulder conversations with kids because that can um, it's non-confrontational. So if we're driving somewhere, if they're driving, we're really shoulder to shoulder and we're not face to face in a confrontational mode. But that's a nice time to be able to share or ask or encourage or support um, at, in that way. Just I like that little tip and maybe that's helpful to parents. Um, I, I guess the the other piece that I would share with you is that one of the so we talked about some of that vulnerability that comes with a student um, needing support, maybe needing to take that time and think about who they are. Um, one of the things that we use as a tool is we do that one on one with a student one on one. So not in front of any other peers but one-on-one -on -one where that student has a chance to really articulate, talk about, think about who they are, kind of those self, what we call those self-assessment components. And then the other piece of it is that we're not only doing it one-on-one, -on -one, but we, our facilitator who works with that student, has no prior knowledge or connection to that student. So they are a blank slate, right? So there's no preconceived notion or ideas about what the student could or should want um, to do. So if the student says, you know, I'm interested in, in farming and I would, would like to have my own ranch sometime in Montana. We'd say, excellent. All right. Farming, ranch, Montana. Okay. Let's dig into that, right? Where does that come from? What is that, you know, where do, where do those ideas and, and dreams and concepts come from? So again, no preconceived ideas. The value of working with a coach, right? That outside third party who's not a parent, who's not um, a teacher in that student's life, but an independent um, uh, ear and voice and brain who is supporting that student. That, I like that. I, I made a note here. I love the shoulder to shoulder conversation. We do, we know about it, but you don't, if you don't hear it or have a concept to relate it to, you don't really understand it, but it makes all the sense in the world. Because as you were saying it, I'm like, yeah, because it takes away that tension and that expectation of you got I got to give an answer and it may not be what they want to hear kind of thing, but just have a fluid conversation is great. And the other part uh, about not having any uh, previous information going into a meeting, I like that too, because as you're describing it, it's like, yeah, because it makes it a very natural conversation. I'm learning, they're learning, I'm getting information, I'm giving information, and it's all a natural progression. But but the other thing that we have a responsibility to do as we have these conversations with students is to probe and to clarify. So if a student says, 
you know, I'm really organized. We can't just write down, you know, you know, Mary says she's really organized. Great. That we need a lot more information than that. So we will, we will dig and we will probe and we will clarify because we need to understand what that means to that student. What evidence is there in their life that they can cite of being organized, whatever that means to them. And then we'll kind of use, we actually do an extended interview process with students in during the, the process we call guided self-assessment. And so across five one-hour interviews that take place over two to three weeks, we will keep coming back to those things that the students said and looking for evidence as that student moves forward through that interview process. So I think that's a pretty cool and, and unique um, opportunity that students and families have with us. Yeah, and also I think it makes them have to be consistent with what they provide you with so that they're not just giving you something, right? Well, I don't I don't want them to feel, uh, so, so at the very start of our interview process, we always tell that student that we need them to be open and honest. And we are, we have to probe and clarify because we want to fully understand what the student says. So we're not trying to catch them, you know, in a lie, so to say, but we're trying to truly understand if a student believes that they have a, a trait or an interest, we're just trying to understand more about the genesis of that. And then what other evidences are there in that student's life? Um, how, you know, are, are, they, are they saying they're interested in engineering and then not actually doing anything that's, you know, that supports that interest. So that in and of itself is worth talking about too, you know? So it's, it's just whatever is in that student's head and heart, we wanna help them, we wanna encourage them to get that out, get it said, have it be heard and understood by someone else so that it can be um, ultimately used to help create a, a pathway toward what will make that student happy. I did, Coach T, I did have some, some thoughts I wanted to share about sure. um, some simple steps during those high school years. I, I like tangible things that students can do. And I, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a big do it, try it, and then evaluate what you tried, kind of like that little cycle. And I like small bites of trying things because especially during those high school years and when a student if, if they're willing if they're willing to take the time and make a little bit of effort in their life to try some things out to to basically test out what they believe they know about their traits and their interests and their preferences then I wanted to just give a couple of little examples of how students can do that in high school. So one of the first ones, it's built into the high school process for all of our kids, is to be careful and selective about the elective classes that a student can take. So you remember probably some electives from your high school years. I certainly do. Electives that our kids have access to today include, you know, cooking classes and bestseller classes and fitness classes and cooking and uh, did I say food classes already? I think yeah. I'm hungry. Um, <laughs> they have, you know, jewelry classes and, and then music and amazing electives that they have access to. Um, you know, I, my oldest son took, uh, he was always interested in business, math and money. And there was an accounting class in the high school that he could take just a, and when I say small bite, I mean, it's an elective class, which means it doesn't count toward, you know, the core English, math, 
um, science and social studies. It's an elective, which is very important. It's a semester long. It's just one class period. So it's a small bite, right? So I can try it out. So if I try out that accounting class and I realize, holy cow, this is horrible. And who would ever, or maybe I have the opposite experience where I go, this is kind of cool. I didn't even know this was a thing and people can study this and they do this for a living. So small bite, trying it out like an elective, good, good stuff. And a lot of times kids don't use their electives in that way where they're not thinking of it truly as exploration, a time to try something that they might like. And, and I would love to just remind students and encourage them to use their electives well. Similarly, um, so second tip or second thought, easy way to try things out. Most uh, students across America have access to some sort of career technical education. So in the old days, when I was in high school, our career tech options were very much built for students who were not heading to college. They needed to pick up some vocational skills, perhaps in cosmetology or auto repair or welding, and they would leave high school and take those skills and head into the working world. So um, like most things, career tech has uh, evolved tremendously since I was in high school, since you were in high school. And I would encourage all families to understand the amazing career technical lab programs that exist for their high school students. So think of these as sort of slightly bigger electives. So they might be medical or healthcare related, um, nursing, they might be bioscience or engineering, or they can be business or all, all kind, as well as the traditional um, career tech programs that I mentioned before, like cosmetology or welding. So that's the second one I wanted to bring up. Um, third one, very easy to access for students, summer camps and programs. If you look in your part of the country, you can find at um, community colleges, local state colleges or private colleges often host high school students for programs on campus that are non-sport related. So these are programs that might be tied to a potential career area or area of interest for a student. And I love those options for high school students because it immerses them in something that they already have an interest in. And I found this camp and it happens to be on a campus. And, and so I can have a mini college experience while exploring the thing that I already find interesting. So summer camps and programs um, are a wonderful resource and opportunity for our high school kids. And the fourth one I wanted to mention is really um, taking some time to think about and learn about careers. Two ways to do that that are very, very easy. One um, is the classic informational interview. So if I am interested in being a high school basketball coach um, and, and, I'm a, and I'm a high school student myself, I can find an individual who does that for a living, ask them if they would be available to me for an informational interview. So it's not a job interview. I'm not asking that person for a job. I'm simply interviewing that person to find out about their job, right? So I need to be prepared. I need to be able to ask some questions that I want to know about their job. And then, so it might be you know, what education do you did you need? What surprised you about the job that you have? Um, 
What would you want somebody my age to know about being a high school basketball coach? Are all coaches also teachers? Do you do something else, you know, since that's a seasonal job? So that's an informational interview. And there are students across America doing informational interviews with professionals um, all over the place. And they're very, very eye-opening and enlightening for the student. And similarly, sometimes people will bring up job shadowing as a way for students to learn about different jobs that are out there. I'm, I have nothing against job shadows. What I do suggest to a student is that they first do the informational interview, which is usually about a half an hour. And then if, if you still have the same level of interest or excitement, you could talk to that person about the potential to do a shadow. I don't like it when someone goes to shadow a, a, a professional and set up like an all day shadow when they haven't had the first touch point of an informational interview because students could get into a job shadow that they've signed up for for an, you know, an entire day and they can be a half hour into it and go, oh no, 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 I'm gonna have to throw myself down the stairs or make up a dentist appointment to get the heck out of here because I know this isn't right for me. So I'd, I'd really suggest that students think about that informational interview first. So again, just to recap those, so high school electives, <clears throat> that small by looking at career tech programs, which can be a, a larger commitment, but they can um, really help uh, stoke that interest for that student a little bit differently than um, just a traditional elective. The third one was summer camps and programs. And that fourth one was engaging to learn more about careers through informational interviews and also through potentially job shadowing. So just wanted to share those real quick as nice nice ways for students to, to take a step. Okay, so... <laughs> I'm going to back up a little bit because I, I hit you with a lot there, didn't I? Coach? No, no, but you know, you hit me with some good stuff because I'm actually going to share a couple of these that awesome. I think you'll be appreciative. But I want to start off with uh, go back a couple minutes when you say, you know, kids are kind of like this, like the Heisman. I wanted to let you know that I took my senior football picture in the Heisman pose. So that's what popped out to me when you said that. So I'm like, oh my gosh. Uh, and your and your and your parents are like, hey, we recognize that pose. He yeah, does yeah. that. He does that every time we try to share some wisdom with him. <laughs> exactly. I, I was practicing. Yeah. Um and the other is uh you're we were talking about when you're in high school, you know about me. I'm older than you, so I didn't go to school on horseback. Just wanted to clarify that. Okay. I still want to bust it. <laughs> no, kidding. So the uh, couple of things you mentioned in those, I like those electives, career tech, summer camps, and career interviews. So I also have a nonprofit, and my nonprofit is a coaching and mentoring nonprofit. Well, one of the things that we do, and I think I mentioned this before, but I wanted to share because it really hits home what you just shared is with our summer camp, we had uh, two age groups. We had fourth to sixth grade and seventh through ninth. And the coaches were high school players that were training. So they got hands-on experience of how to coach. So that was, that's a great uh, point about the summer camps. But the secondary part was two of the kids that did that actually reached out to me and wanted to interview me about my nonprofit and what it took to run it because they have been part of it so they're kind of like coach how do you do all this stuff you do training but it's also a business how do you do the business part we see what you do on the day-to-day -day stuff but tell us about your nonprofit. and both of them ended up doing their senior projects on the nonprofit. i so love it they kind of got some insight but i just kind of wanted to share that but you're absolutely right on those points
I love it. And and I think no matter what those experiences are, right, those electives, those those career interviews, all the things we just talked about, the key later, once once there's some sort of endpoint, is for that student to do some evaluation, some some self-thinking, some questioning. What did I really think about that? So going back to that accounting elective, right? I I can't kind of gave you that they can have the sense that this is horrible or this is kind of awesome. That evaluation is the whole take home, right? I I had this experience and now I have to figure out how did I feel about that? Do I want to do more of that in the future or do I want to take the time and redirect towards something that can be more right for me? So once again, just like a student may not naturally think about their their self-assessment, their strong traits and qualities, they also may not naturally evaluate the experiences that they have. And I think this is something that we as parents can help um, tremendously with. How can we help? I'm gonna share my favorite parenting word. And it, it, it kind of goes alongside that shoulder to shoulder tip, you know, talking to our kids that way where we're, non, we're not confronting them. And I love when I st- when we're encouraging a student to consider the experiences that they've had. So maybe you're you're going to pick your kiddo up from one of those summer camps or programs, and it was about you know marine biology. I'm just pulling. There are so many interests that kids have, and I'll, I'll just pull that one out. There's actually a number of students that have an interest in marine biology. So let's say they did a camp in marine biology. We're driving them home from that camp. You need to toss them some softball questions to get them thinking about what they learned and what they experienced and what they now know about themselves in terms of you know, what matches and mismatches did I experience during that week in that camp? And a lot of times our kids don't naturally, um, some do, some, some will talk a lot about their experiences, others won't maybe have the, the skill or um, practice at being able to really verbalize what they've experienced. And that's where my favorite word, parenting word, (laughs) because. So when a student says, oh, yeah, I really hated that part of camp. Okay. So, you know, we could naturally say, why? Why did you hate it? But I want you to put an X over the Y and instead pull that word out, which is because, and ask your student to finish the sentence, Oh, I want to know more. So can you tell me I really hated that part of camp because and they'll say because, you know, it smelled or because we were out on the water for eight hours and I got sick or because, you know, the um, that day they, you know, our, our lunch was this and I hate that for lunch. And so whatever it is, the student has it inside of them. They just need sometimes that little that little prod or push to continue with their thought and because can be a way for them to simply finish that thought. I love that word. It's very helpful. I like that. And it reminds me when kids are young, they're always saying, why, why, why? And after a while, we're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. <laughs> so that is that is a key parent well, word. Well, I think back to so the kiddo that's saying, why, why, why? 
they're in the mode of trying to learn, right? So you hear that a lot, three, four, five, you know, why, why, why they want to learn. And when we approach our teenagers, when they give us a little bit of information and we say, why, 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 they feel the same way. They don't want to yeah. hear their, <laughs> their parent pester them with why, why, why. But there's something magical about that word because and it, it, it enables and encourages, it allows that student to finish a thought that they've already started, which is I hate this or I love this, right? Uh, it just yeah. allows them to finish it. So um, sometimes there are some pretty amazing things that can come out in the rest of that sentence. So I just thought I would share that little word. Um, it's useful in lots of different forms and formats, but it's a great way to help a student extend their thinking when it comes to evaluating an experience. Well, you even say, even when you just say it a couple of times, it entices a response. Yeah. Naturally. Yeah. You know, if you say because. Oh, I love that. It's hard for, it's hard for you to go. Ah, ah, I'm not going to answer that. Yeah. yeah. But if, if yeah. you say why, I, 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 I don't want to tell you now. But if, I, and, if you say because, it's like, well, because. Oh, yeah, because. I love the, the answer is right there. I love that phrase entices because it does. It shows interest. And the parent is interested. They want to know why the student has said what they're what they've said but but the why again is that it's just confrontational and it 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 creates a defensive posture for the student right and because is it's it is enticing you you've opened the door you've said i want to know more and then the the other key is whatever it is that they say is the perception for that student and so we would never want to you know like like squash that or say, oh, I'm sure it really wasn't that bad. Or, you know, the, what they what they experienced is what they experienced. We weren't there and we need to honor and respect and help that student kind of consider more fully what it was that they experienced and what that can mean to the next decisions and choices that they will make. That's the whole point of having experiences is to build this repertoire of things that we've done. And then we just have to take that extra little step and do the evaluation to, to really consider what I experienced and what that might mean to my next decisions. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you and in, in relation to, you know, making decisions in Use, utilizing everything that you've shared at this point. Let's um, think about a young man or a young lady that has three things that they are just, I love this, I love this, I love this. And they're going to go through a process of taking electives and each one of those, and, and they still kind of feel like, hey, you know, these are all, all three, they're just still kind of in the same place. There, at what point or how do you kind of help them clarify? Yeah. You know, what, what is probably their number one or number two and their number three? Oh, that's so interesting. Um, I, the student will naturally do that themselves. So they, they just often, um, when they enter a process with us, remember I told you the, the core process that we use called guided self assessment involves three 
interview, or excuse me, five interviews that take place over two to three weeks. They're an hour long. And over that time, that student is kind of made to think more deeply about the things that they bring up as, as their interests or their, and their values and their preferences, et cetera. But let's just take interests, for example, because that's one um, that a student will often come to the table and they'll say, you know, I'm interested in, in, in forensic science and I'm also interested in marine biology and I'm also really good and I like creative writing. So let's, you know, those three, how do I manage those three? What do I do? So in the course of really talking about all three of those across those interviews. And we, we have a little bit of homework that we have the student do in between the interviews that, that makes them also engage with the things that they are bringing up in the interview. So they're naturally going to kind of have one that might fall away. And maybe between the two that remain, they'll do some analysis and some thinking about really um, what is the right place in my life for this interest? Is this interest sort of a seasonal interest? Is this interest really tied to the fact that um, maybe I'm watching a lot of crime-oriented shows on TV and that's why I'm interested in forensic science? And, and maybe when I dig a little bit deeper and find out what somebody has to do if they want to go into that line of work, um, maybe I recognize that that's not as much for, it's still an interest to me, but it's not an interest I wanna pursue in that way. So I would just tell you that it takes that time with a student to get them to think about their interest, where it comes from and what they might wanna do with it. You know, another really important thing for students, I think they feel a lot of pressure to make a single decision. And, and, and the truth is, if you go to college, you do have to pick a major and then you study the major you pass all the classes in the major, and after four short years, you graduate. So you will qu pretty quickly close your, your academic career and head into the working world. So you do have to pick a major. But there are lots of ways for you to continue. If you really have two strong interests, there may be a way to intersect the two. So that's actually a pretty cool thing to get students to think about. And if they're really not intersectable, then I think it's an important conversation to have with a student about, again, what is the role or place for each of those interests? Many times students will recognize that they're, that one of their interests is ready, really maybe better served as a hobby or an avocation, right? So maybe it's something that they'll do on the weekends or they'll engage with that through, um, through volunteering um, or through some sort of, uh, maybe they'll do a, a two week vacation, you know, at some point in the future that engages with that interest. I'm, I'm, I'm a, a student will make that decision, but they can't make that decision without um, digging in a little deeper to what the study of those interests in college might look like, what kinds of opportunities for uh, work after college might exist within each of those those areas. And the student will pretty naturally come to the conclusion themselves. Yeah, so uh, those three uh, scenarios you were given of the forensic science and I think marine biology and the other. Yeah. And creative writing. Help yeah. In yeah. The creative writing. So I'm going to yeah. help by if any uh, kids are out there listening, if you want some get some back um, information on the forensic science, just watch CSI Miami and Horatio Kane and you'll get everything you need. I mean, because they break it down so well. 
And but at the same time, they you know there's certain aspects of it I don't like, but most of it I like because I like putting my glasses on slow and talking like this. And they and they solve it all in an hour too. <laughs> in an hour. And Coach I mean, Tini, isn't that how that's how every crime I know is solved? So and yes. students and students know that that's not the reality, but what they don't know is is what the reality really is. And so I I just would encourage that right just just I'm big on you know, pull back the curtain, rip off the wrapping paper, dig in, right? There's detail. If we we can't just float along the top and, and skim the surface, we have to get down and get into the details. And that's what lets us make an informed and confident decision as we move toward the end of high school. You know, I, I have to admit, and you, you, you'll need to take a bow on this, I never take notes. I've been taking notes here this whole time because you've given some <laughs> great tips. No, really, serious. This is really great. And I think it's important that. Um, well, right back at you. Yeah, Thank I hope that, that. No, no, Thank absolutely. You. And I hope that uh, our listeners are taking notes and I hope they'll be able to come back and, and listen more because these are some great tips. And it is really important what you do because of the stage of life that these kids are in. Decision making is so difficult. And sometimes they don't know where to turn and knowing that there are resources out there that are just there just for the sole purpose of helping them make those decisions. Not give them the answers, but help them to make those decisions. And that's all we want kids to do is to make decisions. And I always tell the kids I work with, make decisions right, wrong or indifferent. Guess what? You learn from every decision that you make. We and and with those decisions at the end of high school, we add we add two uh, adjectives to the word decision, and one is we want them to make a clear decision, and we want them to make a confident decision. So the only way we get to that, I get I guess the opposite of of clear and confident decisions, we would describe that as guessing and grasping, and guessing and grasping is. I'm sorry, that makes me uncomfortable to even say, I think it's this, or let's try this. Have you seen how much college costs? It costs a lot. If you're heading in that direction, you want your student to have a confident and clear direction. And they're going, they absolutely can get there. They just have to do some things during the high school years, right? Have those experiences and then evaluate those experiences. And that's going to help them get a lot closer to what can be a, a good decision or a better decision than if they didn't do that work. So we're proud to do it. We've been doing it for about 10 years now, a little over 10 years. Um, I have a, an amazing team of people who uh, love to sit and work one-on-one -on -one with teenagers. And uh, when I first started this, I thought, do I really want to interview teenagers? Do I want to sit and listen to what they, oh, yes, I do. They are fascinating. Yes. They have, their hearts are um Amazing. I am so confident myself of, of the future because of this generation and what's on their minds and where they're heading and what they're thinking about. It's an honor to come alongside them and be able to have that touch point at a very important time in their life as they get ready to make the decisions that are next. So we're really happy to be able to help. Yeah. Well, you make a, a great point, too, as part of the process, as you get to know kids and you're interacting with them. There's a message that's being sent to them that we're answering questions that they're wondering about. And number one is, oh, this is somebody outside of my home yep. that cares about my future. Yep. And I go back to your um, your interview process, the five different interviews, one hour long. Each one of those are trust building sessions as well so that you can get 
more information easier because of the level level of comfort. And I think that's what's great about the, yeah. the number of interviews that you have with them, as opposed to just a one off where you're just prying and trying to pull. Oh, or Coach T, it, it, the, the, one of the most popular ways to help students make decisions about what they might want to study or what kinds of careers could be right for them. One of the most popular tools out there is is an online assessment. Right. So sit down, answer these 30 questions and it's going to come back and go, poof, you should be a this. You should be a that. I, I'm not I, I, I'm not a, I'm not against online tools. You should take them. But we end up having a lot of teens come to us after that kind of experience. And they say, well, I know what it came back with isn't right, but I don't know what is right. And so that's the value of that conversational approach. And that's also why we made it. Um, Coach T, you picked it up immediately. It's in-depth and extended in time. And that's because a student needs that gift of time to truly be able to think about and make the connections and ask the questions of us and let us ask the questions of them. It is, It can be a transformative experience for a student who's had experiences but doesn't really know how to take those and start to make good decisions moving forward. So we're really proud to do it. I see you put our website up. Um, I know uh, we'll ha we're, we're about at our end of our time together. So uh, families can catch us at gettingatthecore.com. So www.gettingatthecore.com. You can learn more about the guided self-assessment process that we use with students. We do this uh, process for students across the country. We are based in Central Ohio. So uh, for students who are in Central Ohio, we, do, we can do those interviews face-to-face, -face, but for, um, all, of course, all of our students outside the area, we do at the, we use the tool that students are very comfortable and happy to use, which is a, a method like this, right, an online um, tool. So uh, we also have a, a family interaction part of guided self-assessment, and, and that happens after those interviews are done. We then um, also have an extended set of uh, touch points with the student where we're helping them with career exploration. So it's a very cool process. In addition, <clears throat> we, um, so I know you've got my email up there, which is Beth at Getting at the Core. So um, there's a team of 15 of us and I'm happy to help in any ways that we can. Uh, in addition, there are families who come to us and they say, okay, well, we've, you know, we've, you helped us with guided self-assessment. We feel really good about self-assessment and career exploration. Now we need help with, um, understanding the college admissions process, understanding what we need to ask when we go on a college visit, or do our students really need to take the ACT or SAT anymore? Or what kinds of classes should they take so that they're attractive to colleges, right? All of those mechanical college prep type steps. We also provide a lot of support for families um, in that area. And we do that through a lot of webinars that are either free or low cost. Um, our family ticket price for those that have a fee, the webinars that have a fee is $29. So we try to make things very accessible for families to find a trusted resource to get that information. So we do those all throughout the year. Um, but that January, February, March timeframe is a timeframe where we do a lot of that because there's it's a time of high school scheduling. So it's a great time when families are thinking, you know, what classes really are right to take and what looks best and what's best for my student. So just remember, we, we are there to support um, families in that regard as well. I'm so glad That's you called me today. 
Yeah, no, no, absolutely. This is more than what I expected. I mean, I didn't think I realized the extent of what you do, which I think is so important. So I definitely encourage our listeners to check out um, gettingatthecore.com, find out more about Beth and her company. And I'm telling you, your kids are having this decision-making processes like myself. I wasn't sure if I wanted to be a swim coach or I wanted to be a crafter. So I majored in underwater basket weaving. So I just combined the two and I'm happy. I'm a basketball coach today. So all that worked out. I love that. So so Coach T, T, I didn't tell you, I followed a brother into the exact same major he was in at the university where my parents had met. Do you think a whole lot of thought process went into that? No. No. However, you know, it was, it was a different time when I went to college, you know, and, and today it's just, um, it costs a lot. <laughs> Have I mentioned that? And <laughs> and when and when our students go, we just want them to feel like they have a good sense of why they're going. Or even when they when they leave high school and they if they're not moving toward a traditional four year university, I would like them to have great confidence and clarity about whatever it is that they're doing after high school. So we're honored to come alongside families and help. No, Thank no you for way. having me. Oh, my pleasure. And I I thank you for your time and your knowledge and experience and caring about the next generation of leaders. So I really appreciate that. So one parting question for you. Oh, yeah. Here's a toast to you. One parting question. Could you share with us your person or persons of influence in your life and why? Oh, person or person. So the number one that pops to my mind is my mom. My mom, um, she is, um, I don't know that I can cuss. I can't cuss probably. She's a bad, um, you know, she, she is a very strong woman. Um, I was her only daughter. I have two older brothers. Uh, she had very strong messages about, um, how I could and should approach the world. And those messages have really stuck with me over the years. Um, she's still living. Uh, she's supposed to come visit this week. So I'll be able to give her a, an, another hearty thank you for, for being my mom and helping shape uh, the vision that I had of how we can, um, how do I say, H- how we can make our way in the world with with strength and, and power and also with grace. Absolutely. I love that because my mom is like mine too as well as my dad but you know it's uh everybody has a different answer there's no right or wrong it's just all about who influences you sometimes it's early in life sometimes it's you know throughout your life yeah 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 yeah, sometimes it's late so it's it's just nice to know and and it's one of the things i it helps me uh really doesn't help me in any way other than find out a little bit more about you yeah now that i say that i love that though i think that's i think maybe it's a question that makes other people think as they listen to who has truly been um, the person that's influenced it's them, and, and then yes. taking it even a step further, you know, as I get in I get into my life and get older and older, who I might have an opportunity to influence as well, um, and who 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 I can help touch in a way that makes an impact in their life. Yeah. Now, one last thing before we go, and I want you, since you have your pen, I want you to write down 
It just goes back to our pre-recording time because I want our listeners to know what we talked about. I want you to write down your actual age so you don't forget some of your next <laughs> birthday comes. I told you I was not good at calendar math. I'm like, how old really am I? Did I turn did I turn 54 last year or will I turn 54 this year? I, I do know. I did I did the math. I got it. It's 50, I'm 54. Well, That's Beth, thank fun. you so much. And I wish you nothing but continued success. To you as well. Thank you thank again. You. My pleasure. As always, I'm Coach T. I'm here to educate, support, and inspire the next generation of leaders. Until next episode, take care. Does your son or daughter lack confidence, have low self-esteem, or just feel out of place? They don't have to anymore because these are the kids that Coach T loves to work with to help them and to support you, the parents. Go to CoachT'sCorner.com to get started.